0: hello everyone and welcome to the geary stein and steven show an amazing video podcast with sports stars entertainment celebrities and other great guests combining one host who has no legs one host who lives in duluth minnesota and another host who seems to never be on the show but now on to the show with troy dave and maybe even will
1: Well, well, hello everybody. It is great to see you and be seen tonight. This is a rare live broadcast of the Gary Stein and Steven show. And uh, we got a special guest coming up, but uh, of course, let me bring in my host, uh, co-host from Duluth, Minnesota. And Troy is out there somewhere. Troy, buddy, uh, how are you doing tonight? What's going on in Minnesota?
2: Oh, it's warm up here, but I'm doing
1: great, Dave. And uh, how'd the twins do this week? I haven't uh, seen how they do- did this weekend.
2: They're still hanging in there. I think they still got like a four or five game lead. So typical twins, they make it interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, before we get to our guest coming up later in the show, uh, Chad Samela, who is an Olympic uh, winter broadcaster, and we're going to talk to him about cross country and everything like that. Uh, You know, I wanted to bring in uh, somebody that we work with closely at your home TV, and I uh, have Dominic, is there Dominic? Are you out there? I see you. Yes, I so, am. Dominic, Dominic is joining us. And of course, uh, you might not know him, but we know him. He is the manager director of your home TV, Dominic Melillo. And and Dominic is also a songwriter, producer and has an album coming out September 15th. Ironically, or, or I mean, I don't even know how I should phrase it. That's the reason we have you is, is this amazing tribute song to Jimmy Buffett. So, Dom, uh, tell me a little bit about Behind the Song and, and what, what went into it
0: sure um well you know i for, you know i've been a am an old guy so i you know i've been a jimmy buffett fan since uh since college um and uh you know i just I've, I've always followed his music i love his music i love his uh, the sensibility of what he says and how he wants to live life so uh, a couple of years ago and my my sister's a big fan too so she called me and she said hey dominic i have an idea for a song i want your help in writing it uh, and I said, sure. Well, tell me about it. So she went through what her idea was, which was, you know, every day I'm working hard, you know, and I'm driving to work, and you know, I hear Jimmy Buffett come on the radio, and I just think to myself, man, I would just love to live in one of these Jimmy Buffett songs. I'd love to be on a beach somewhere. I'd love to go to Margaritaville. I'd love to be in a in some kind of uh, you know harbor somewhere and on a boat. I said, well, that's great. Let's talk through it. So we talked through it all, and basically in that conversation, we came up with the lyrics for this song, and the song is called Living in a Jimmy Buffett Song.
1: And, and it, the, the sad part is it's coming out September 12th, and he uh, sadly passed away. I mean, what were your thoughts as you heard the, the news the other night?
0: I would, I, yeah, I, would, I think we were all shocked, right? Because the last time I saw Jimmy Buffett, you know, it, it, you know in person, he looked great. I mean, you know he he always looked reasonably fit. you know I always wondered how he possibly could could stay that way because yeah you of know, what he did to himself physically. But um you know he looked great. And um, yeah, I was shocked. I what I read was that he had uh, he passed away um, actually out uh, in uh, Sag Harbor on Long Island where where I'm from. Uh, And he, um, and so it it was pretty sad, but the timing of it is really strange. We've had this uh, release in the works for uh, about a month now, uh, scheduled for September 12th. And um, so to hear of his passing, like, you know, just on the cusp of this release that included, you know, not only this song, which is a tribute to Jimmy Buffett, uh, but also a couple of Beach Boys uh, tribute songs. Um, on it too uh, just uh it was just surreal it was just strange so um it gave me an opportunity to put the song out there a little early uh for people to hear uh just kind of you know my way of honoring uh, jimmy and, and all the work that he's done and all the influence he's had on people over the years
1: well when your boss calls you up and says i demand you play my song on your air i had to of course jump at it no 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 it was uh I mean, we saw yesterday to in the
0: airtime i have
1: yeah. to of course we saw, you know, yesterday when you, you shared it with us, because again, we knew the album was coming out. We already had the downloads and everything, but it was just, you know, I, I said, well, we've got to do something with it. It's such a poignant song. It's such a great song. And uh, so I feel like Dick Clark, uh, we're going to premiere your song here uh, nationally. So uh, you want to intro it real quick and who sings it and uh,
0: sure. just give um, us a quick. So, you know, it's a real Caribbean kind of trop tropical rock a basic song. Um, it uh, is sung by a fella, a friend of mine from uh, Nashville, uh, Lee Gibson, who is, does has done for 20 years uh, a lot of demos for the most famous uh, songwriters in Nashville. He has a great voice; sounds very much like uh, Johnny Cash kind of uh, feel to it. And my niece, Ellis Malilo, who is a new singer-songwriter based out of Nashville, um, she did me a favor and lent her voice to this song because it's a duet. Um, and she will be opening for Zach Brown on Long Island at the Jones Beach Theater, uh, September sixteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth. And um, that's where I first saw Jimmy Buffett. Was at the Jones Beach Theater back when I was uh, in in college. So, yeah.
1: All right. Well, without further ado, here is a song, living in a Jimmy Buffett song.
3: Seems to say, Move along, move along. Summer days are flying by. As to my dead end job, I drive into the sea of cars. I dive all morning long, morning long. But before I go in. For my escape into a song, into a song Oh, why can't I be living Every day that I've been given Oh, why can't I be living In a Jimmy Buffett song It's where I know I'm gonna find The life I somehow left all my long lost summertime in a Jimmy Puppet song. Go away. That someday soon I'll find a way to make them stay, make them stay.
1: Nice work there, Dom. And you know, I just it it uh, it chokes you up when you just think about what he meant to the music world and the industry, and then the irony and the timing of this song. You're not trying to capitalize on it. It just it just
0: came out. So before we let you go, where can people find it and how can they get it? Sure. Um, It uh, it'll be released on uh, September 12th. You can get it. uh, You can order it from any digital uh, music outlet: uh, Amazon Music, Apple Music, uh, any of them, Pandora. You can play it on Spotify and download it from Spotify. There's the album and the individual single, Either Or. So that's where you right. to get it.
1: Well, thanks for taking the time to join us and uh, give us a little special preview of the album, but more importantly, such an amazing song by such an icon. So thanks, Dom. All and nice, we'll dude. see you up on Roku and all of the great places that you're doing with your home TV. So thanks a lot. All and uh, appreciate right, you Dave. joining I us. All right. Stay with us because, of course, we have our other guests coming on in uh, just a couple of seconds. But first, I got to tell you, of course, of Fresh Clean Threads. That's right. If you want to help us and look good and feel good and dress good, of course, you got to go to FreshCleanThreads.com. That's why I'm dancing, because I feel so light and good-looking in these clothes. They've got Henleys. They've got polos. They've got all kinds of great clothes that fit you for the big guys like me. It kind of makes you look skinny. So go to FreshCleanThreads.com. Use the show code show for 20% off of all of your clothing needs. And I, I swear, I, I, love, I love Fresh Clean Threads uh, because, Troy, they make me look good. They make you look good, too, don't they?
2: Yeah, I love my uh, t-shirts. They're great. I have uh, hoodies, polos, all kinds of stuff, so very comfortable. And of
1: course, uh, the NFL season is starting, and this is where you can take over and talk a little bit about Betalytics. And that, of course, is this new service that allows you to go in and and do the prop bets and and do the weird bets instead of just the wins and losses, Troy. You get 25% off again by using our GSS show code, but what is so good about Betalytics?
2: Well, they give you uh, everything in grades, so uh, they'll tell you if the bet is a good bet or a bad bet. So basically, going to give you a good advantage on your picks.
1: Well, that's Betalytics, 25% off. And if you guys start making money because we tipped you off to that, well, then you better tip the GSS Show and send the money uh, to Duluth, Minnesota, here of Troy Geary of the GSS Show. And speaking of Duluth, Minnesota, finally, we get to our our guest tonight, and of course, uh, Chad, Samela, people might not recognize the face, but they should recognize the voice. Of course, in 2018, you made one of the most uh, amazing calls in the history. I think of the Olympics. It was kind of like the uh, Al Michaels moment of uh, cross country seeing. And for those folks that don't know who you are, let's uh, refresh in the voice of the 19, uh, 2018 Olympics.
4: So close for the U.S. on so many occasions. Now moving up on the inside into second place. They're all completely gassed. They've given it everything on the global bucket. It's Nita Nelson leading Jesse Diggins into the final turn. Can Diggins answer? As the roars rattle around the cross-country stadium,
1: So that's the voice, uh, Chad Samela, Does it bring back memory? I mean, does it still give you chills every time that, that you hear it or see it? Or, I mean, uh, such an amazing Olympic moment.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you're in that moment, um, I, I was talking at the state fair just a few days ago about the call on, uh, with, uh, Carol Levin at their barn at the state fair. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you're a Vikings fan and, um, you know you, you caught the miracle touchdown pass you know it wasn't for the super bowl but if that had happened for the super bowl um how, what what would paul allen might have done and i think that uh, i think that i'm just i was just channeling paul allen for our sport i mean i think that when you go 40 plus years at the olympics without a single medal and never a gold and then you win a gold medal in that fashion head to head with two of the biggest icons and powerhouses in the sport in sweden and norway on your tails You know, that's just that's what a guy like me, who knows my sport, is going to do when they're calling the race. And uh, you know, it's just genuine. And I don't even really recall how I ended up (laughs) doing what I did. Um, I I knew Steve really well, Steve Schlanger, the 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 play by play guy with me, and we'd done a lot of shows over the last decade together. So um, you know, I just I don't know that I would have normally have done that or or been all over (laughs) him like that. But it was a historic moment, and I think that that the that the emotion is real, and I think that's what people what resonates with people when they watch it.
1: Well, I wonder, uh, Steve, uh, how, <laughs> how, how was that call? I mean, it seems like you got a little overshadowed there at the Olympics. Joining us now is that uh, his co-worker from that day, uh, Steve Schlinger, an NBC Sports play-by-play announcer who's taken a little time from his busy schedule to join us and surprise Chad. So uh, Steve, what do, you, what do you remember about that call?
6: Well, I was just sitting here in the shadows waiting for Chad to totally rag on me and say, you know what, if Steve had just shut up and let me have the full moment, I could have really brought this thing home. Um, but uh, no, I mean, when we made that call, um, you know, we were sitting in a booth in Connecticut. We weren't there um, and we were doing it um, live to tape. So we weren't actually even calling it live, live, like
5: right. on
6: air as it happened. So um, what that basically means is you call it as it's happening. They have it on tape. And then a little while later, they play it back on air. That's just the way that the Olympics, because it's a, it's a big jigsaw puzzle when it comes to programming, a lot of different events, a lot of different networks. And the way they had to do it was uh, have us call it. And then they were going to play it back in a little while. And so it's really kind of amazing when you think about the fact uh, that, you know, we just got so wrapped up in the moment that I don't think anybody really would have noticed that we weren't there and that it wasn't live because we tried to make it as live and as real and as in the moment as possible.
1: And it did really come across, I don't think anybody out there except for the people that saw that. Picture of you guys in the booth because I know ESPN does that a lot and it, and it's tough, but it it di- it didn't seem like being three four thousand miles away changed that moment, especially for you, Chad.
5: Yeah, it's two o'clock in the morning, I think, roughly. I mean, um, yeah, and uh, you know, I I, I did. I, I think the crazy thing about the whole college, when I look back on it, and, and Steve was Steve would probably back me up, is that we kind of knew. I mean, we kind of knew they were going to win a medal at that point. I mean, um, you know, they looked really good. There was there was an actual qualifier, a semifinals that got them in, and, and they they beat Norway. Norway was in the other semifinal. They were the other favorites, and they were way ahead of Norway. Um, you know, 13 seconds faster over the course of the semifinal, and uh, and so we, you know, it wasn't like. I think the thing that's surprising for me is that, that I let that emotion out, even though I kind of knew it was coming. Like, I, you know, Steve, I, I, I don't know where you were, but we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah,
6: I mean, we anticipated that it it, it might happen, but I don't know. I, I To me, it's just that you tried to put yourself as much in the moment as you possibly can. Um, and then, you know, what you try to do is forget about all of the other circumstances that you're in a, a sound booth and you're right. not there. And, you know, for some people, um, it bothers. Them. And if they're not there and they're not feeling the, the energy of the crowd, it's harder. Um, but maybe it's just because we've done a lot of these different events over the years that it's easier to sort of focus in on just the moment and block out everything else. Um, you know, that we were able to get into it. And I mean, the thing I I love about the call is the fact that we just kept going. Right. And that, you know, Chad, you know, was going crazy. And (laughs) the the, the funny thing about it too, is that if you taught in a class, the textbook way to make a call in a big moment like that, what we necessarily did would not be the way you would teach it (laughs) because you would have the play-by-play guy describing it, the color guy kind of laying back providing, uh, you know, little nuggets here and there and sort of punctuating the moment. And Chad, you know, completely went off that script and, you know, was going crazy. And typically, all right, typically in most sports and, and like that, it doesn't work. Right. but in this instance it worked and not right. only did it work but it elevated the moment it made it better it, it's the reason we're talking to you now because yeah. this confluence of circumstances right. really elevated this moment it's one of those things that you just you can't create on your own right you can't artificially go in and say this is the way we're going to do it we know they're going to win a medal so let's try and do it like this it was so organic it was so natural and it's something that I just don't think you can recreate. And that's what makes it, I think, as special as it was.
5: Yeah. And I want to underscore before we move on, I want to underscore just how much of a consummate pro uh, Steve was in the, in the setting. I think that, you know, we, Steve and I have talked about this in the past. I mean, Steve and I had done a decade's worth roughly of, of events in, in the season. So I think there was, there was a comfort with each other. Um, I think the, the, the magic sauce that day was that St- I was comfortable enough to let myself be myself with Steve there. And Steve was a pro at keeping us on the rails. I mean, like, I think he described it as somebody had to keep their hand on the wheel and it's so easy. It would be so easy to be flustered or to, to, you know, to get angry or, or just, just to react differently than Steve did. But Steve kept us just flowing while I'm going through the roof. And, and I think that that was really the, the playoff of each other was, was really, was really kind of special.
6: Yeah. That's what I thought. You know, I knew how much uh, the moment meant to you. Uh, yeah you know and and what your thoughts of that moment were and i think i think that's where our relationship sort of played into it because i knew how big of a deal this was for you so for you to get excited i know you you know you get excited anyway <laughs> um but you know for some guys that, let's face it if you haven't worked with somebody and somebody starts you know you know here comes diggs here comes Diggins, and you get that excited it kind of would like would maybe shock them and yeah. throw them off their game and i you know i sort of anticipated it And when it happened, I just, you know, like Chad said, just, you know, hey, just keep your hands on the wheel, land the plane, just, you know, get the, you know, cover the bases, right? You know, describe what's happening, dot the I's, cross the T's, Chad's going to, you know, fill in everything with the energy um, and just bring it home. And that's, you know, my philosophy on trying to uh, navigate the rest of the moment.
2: Uh, for both of you, how much more did it mean that it was the first gold medal for the uh, cross country in history of the U.S.? And you, Chad, being from Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, you know, woman winning it also.
5: Yeah, I think that. Any first historical moment for any sport, any sport that you've given your life to, I mean, I've coached, I'm still, I'm coaching running now, but I've, I've coached for 20 plus years, the sport at the developmental level. I was a competitor myself in the sport of biathlon, which is a country cousin to cross country skiing. So I was a, you know, it, it was a special, it was undoubtedly a special moment. I think the biggest thing for me is that, um that we got this special call. I mean, you know, that, that event could have happened in a different way and it could have had, it still was a great finish no matter what. And I think it would have gotten a lot of play, but I think the fact that that the call happened the way it did, and and it and it kind of created a lightning rod for the moment. I feel really proud of what it did for elevating the sport in the consciousness of American of the American public. I think that's probably for me personally that's the biggest um, that's the biggest takeaway and the biggest most valuable thing for me. You know, all these years later, it's like six years ago.
1: All right. Well, uh, look who we have here. We have spotted Will Stein, who's jumping in real quick, and Will wanted to get a question into Steve real quickly. So a clean-cut, Will Stein. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing just fine, thanks. It's ho-
0: hotter than heck up here in, <laughs> in Minneapolis, but I love the heat that we have in Minneapolis, about 96 degrees. I'll probably go right back outside after this. But anywho, for Steve... Where does it rank in your life of calling events?
6: Um, I would say in terms of one singular moment, it's probably the the top one uh, just because of um, the reaction that we got, um, the amount of views and clicks and, um, you know, the way NBC approached it and the way they replayed it. Um, and uh, the fact that it was the first gold medal, it was history. And so many things came together there was this confluence of circumstances that you know really elevated the moment um you know i've been fortunate to you know call a lot of different sports and a lot of different moments um you know i've called some of mark mcguire's home runs back during the sammy sosa chase in the in the late 90s um you know a lot of rams
1: games a lot of rams games rams
6: games a lot of stuff in st louis i called michaela schifrin Breaking the um, the record for the number of Alpine World Cup wins this past winter, I was very lucky to do that. So, um, in a way, I've been in the right place, at the right time for a lot of different moments, and that's the way these things happen. I mean, you can't plan them, you can't orchestrate them. You just, um, you know, hope that you're in the right chair at the right time with the microphone, you know, uh, wrapped around your head, uh, and it, that was the case here. Um, and. It's one of those things where, and I've said this to other people before, that you know you can do 100 baseball games a year, you can do 20 football games, 50 basketball games, and you won't get a moment like this uh, because so much went into it, so much was on the line. As Chad said, there was that, that element of being the first. Um, and you can have a lot of great games and a lot of great moments, but you just don't get something where everything just falls into place like it did here. Uh, and made it the moment it was. So I think for everything that I've done, this is probably number one.
1: Awesome. That sounds great. Well, Steve, thanks for being a good sport and uh, joining us to kind of steal some of the limelight away from Chad this time (laughs) and take some of his time. But uh, thanks for being a part of it and thanks for being a part of uh, Olympic history. So I appreciate Steve jumping in. Uh, We're going to continue with as many people as we can. Uh, We're going to let Steve go. But don't go away for our final part of the Geary, Stein, and Steven Show.
4: Looking for shirts as a thicker guy can be difficult,
1: but Fresh Clean Threads
6: has you covered. They're designed with a little extra room in the stomach area, but still a nice clean fit on the arms and chest. They're also so comfortable that my girl loves to steal them to sleep in sometimes.
5: They're easily
6: the best fitting shirts I've ever worn. I get compliments every time I throw one on. People even ask if I've been hitting the gym more. Fresh Clean Threads fit like a designer shirt, but for a fraction of the cost. You've got to check them out.
1: That's right. Use that GSS show code for 20% off of Fresh Clean Threads at FreshCleanThreads.com.
4: Hi, everybody. Dave Stevens for the Geary Stein and Stevens Show at the Miami Marlins Ballpark. And you know what? We get great stars, celebrities, and entertainers on our show, but there's all kinds of great programming and content on your home TV. Your Home TV is a free on-demand streaming service reaching global audiences. They feature family-friendly programs with a vast selection of topics and interests. Their platform ideally matches content producers, leading viewers, smart device precision, and immersive HD experiences, plus ease of transaction solutions for everyone. Plus, they've got great shows and content like A Moment of Zen, Financial Freedom, the Retirement Halftime Show, and Make It Happen. And they have all kinds of travel shows, food shows, great programming, and great content. So for more information, go to yourhometv.com. Check out the Geary Sign and Steven Show and all of the other great shows. Yourhometv.com. Tell them Dave sent you.
2: Welcome back to the show. Uh, still talking to Chad here, uh, Chad. I wanted to ask you about how did NBC recruit you to start uh, this Olympic process?
5: Yeah, so I it's actually uh, I was I was kind of pushed. I was foisted on NBC, so to speak. Um, back in like the right after Salt Lake Olympics, I was doing the um, the uh, color commentary in the stands for the for the live audience, the the people who paid tickets, the PA announcing at the two thousand two Olympics. I did most of the. I did all the biathlon and a couple of the cross-country races and uh, the, the guy who was producing uh, the, the biathlon competitions for NBC at at Salt Lake City in 2002 was in the truck and he heard me commentating and he was uh, you know he was a cycling guy one of Greg LeMond's former roommates and he was a TV producer independent TV producer and he it was his idea he actually came up to the USBA and said you know there was outdoor life network at the time and said this would be a great sport to put on an outdoor life network just to try to catch catch some uh, some interest in the sport so uh you know so the, the us biathlon association him put that together and they did a time buy on on outdoor life network for the 20 2003 2004 2005 seasons and I, we were do, weren't doing a lot it was like maybe 10 to thir- 10 to 14 shows a year pretty pretty small stuff but um kent thought I, kent was, kent gordis is the guy and he thought i was a he thought i could really do well uh he thought i was a really good comp- commentator so he put together kind of a highlight reel from those oln shows and sent it to his friends at nbc the people he knew and molly solomon was was uh, working at nbc at the time and she gave me a call and they gave me a shot at the 2006 olympics to do the biathlon and uh and that's where it started I, i did the 2006 games from the i wasn't on site there either i was i was in italy at least but i was not on the venue every day i was actually calling it from the international broadcast center uh, and then I got cross country, I got into cross country skiing and Nordic combined uh, four years later, um, 2009, the, the longtime commentator and jur- and journalist Paul Robbins, who covered, he was kind of, he was kind of the, the, the uh, journalist for Nordic skiing in the United States. He passed away and had done the last several Olympics for cross country skiing. And then I added cross country to my repertoire after they gave me a little tryout in 2009. So then I took on a huge load in 2010 where Al Trotwig and I just did, um, did the whole thing. We basically ran the midday. I think we did 25, 26 shows in 16 days and, and, and almost all of them were live. It's pretty, it was a big, it was a big load.
1: Well, I was just curious as far as how you moved from, biathlon into track what you're doing right now uh yeah uh, Saint alaska big shout out i went to augsburg so miac nice. all the way uh we've got well. such a minnesota flavor here but uh yeah. how do you move from biathlons and cross country into regular track and field
5: so you know the the energy system basically training for these sports that you know in some sports it's a skill sport like baseball is a very re- very very refined skill sport hand-eye coordination timing um you know uh, these endurance sports are really about oxygen transport training the central nervous system to adapt to high levels of of long durations of stress and a lot of those principles apply similarly across sports and i was a i was a all-state cross-country runner in high school which was good but i was also one of the best kids my age in the country in skiing so you know i kind of went that direction after high school after being an all-state cross-country runner and i always loved um distance running like i the fact that I didn't have a college running career at all, and I probably wouldn't have been a standout. I probably would have been a D3 also ran, but I still loved running. It didn't, it didn't change the fact that I did. I I didn't love the, the grit necessary to be a good cross country runner and and a track runner for that matter. And and I always kind of was looking for an opportunity to get back into, into coaching distance running after I had been coaching biathlon and cross country skiing for a while. And uh, and I, I I coached at the Marshall School in Duluth. I coached cross country running four years right before I took the head ski coaching job at St. Scholastica. And I I started the program, the ski program at St. Scholastica. I was the first coach. Took it for ten years, and then I and then I pivoted when the longtime running coach at St. Scholastica, Steve Finkson, who had been there for twenty three years, retired. I was ready for a change after ten years. I, I I was a little bit I was exhausted at some 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 pivotal moments in my life that I had to kind of like. Take into consideration. I was looking for a change, and when he retired, I told my ad, you know, I would love to get back into coaching runners. And I was already coaching runners on the side of my ski, of my head ski coaching job. I had coached a fairly, a relatively successful professional marathon uh, runner, and uh, so I had some ideas about how to, how to, how to, what I would do if I ever had a college running team. And now I'm seven years into it, and uh, and I love it. It's really fun. I'm touching all those parts of my youth that I, that skiing, being a skier, a better skier than a runner kind of took away from me. And, and it's been really spectacular. We just had our first, uh our just for our first meet at St. Olaf uh, down in Southern Minnesota two days ago. It was a hot one, total scorcher, but there's something about getting off a bus with a group of cross country runners in the fall, especially when the leaves are changing and it's cold and, and, and the smells in there, it smells like cross country season. And it was so fun to get back into that after, you know, nearly two decades of, of, Pretty much solely being in the Nordic skiing world.
2: Uh, our good buddy John Anderson, who does track and field too, was just on the show. And uh, I know that you do the grandma's marathon. So maybe yeah. we, we can get him and you to maybe do grandma's this year. That'd be awesome. Yeah,
5: that'd be great. I I, I do it with, I usually i am in the, um, I don't do the PA, I usually follow the lead women's car with Carrie Tolfson, another Minnesotan Olympian. And uh, grandma's has been, I've been doing it for a long time. Grandma's is a really special, as you know. Troy, it's a it's a really special weekend in Duluth. It's kind of like the the weekend that Duluth shines, I think, better more than any other weekend of the year.
0: So, what did your call do for the popularity of cross country skiing?
5: Oh, man, I, you, know, I, you know, I think, I think it made people aware. First of all, that it's an Olympic sport and it's competitive. I mean, I think when people think of cross country skiing, they think of really boring uh races for one thing like just guys moving in slow motion through the woods with a beard and frost dripping off their off their beard but i think that uh you know the the sprint competitions that have been around for about 25 years in cross-country skiing it really have made the sport much more dynamic as the diggins uh win in 2018 um showed so i think what it did is it really showed that the sport is and can be very exciting um i think it it, it's for american skiing It's an iconic moment, and I'll forever be very proud of it. As far as the long term, you know, I'm not sure I'm the person to ask. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I can quantify or or qualify what it means to the sport. It definitely means a lot to the sport in the United States. I think that Jesse Diggins' moment will forever be the moment that skiing maybe turned a little bit. But Jesse's won, you know, two more Olympic medals since that time as well. So, uh, you know, it's not that that's, it wasn't a fluke and Jesse is, is the real deal and she's still going. And there's a world cup in Minnesota this year. If you, if you're, if you're from Minnesota or from the upper Midwest, or you just love cross-country skiing, there hasn't been a world cup cross-country race in the United States since the year before the 2002 Olympics, 2001. So 22 years since there's been a world cup on, on American soil. And it's in Minneapolis, which is really, Theodore Worth Park, and it's the second week of February. Look look, look for it. The tickets have been sold out, but I think they're going to probably open up some more tickets. So it's pretty, it's a pretty cool time for the sport in the United States.
2: I got one last one for you. Uh, you were a biathlon athlete. How hard it is to concentrate and focus after you are just been skiing forever, and then you stop with your heart rate pumping like crazy, and then shoot at a target and try to make it?
5: it's really hard (laughs) to to say the least. I mean, I think that the sport has become, uh, there've been some, some technical differences to like the stock, the rifle stock, since I was a competitor and I competed in the nineties. That's a while ago. Uh, The sport has has evolved. And I think the targets have gotten a tad easier to hit because of the, the the loosening of the rules on how the stock can fit the body, but it's still extremely hard. I think most people would be flabbergasted to come out and try to shoot. Like even people who have hunted and say, Hey, I want to try that. And they take them to a biathlon target and, Shooting from the standing position, especially, it's really difficult for a novice to hit the target. But the long and short of it is, Troy, it's just like hitting free throws. I mean, you hitting free throws under pressure is the same thing as biathlon. Like you just have to practice, and you have to be so good at it. You have to know how hard to come into the range. And now they're coming into the shooting range really hard. They're just training to tr- to shoot with that higher heart rate. Back in the '70s and '80s, they would try to slow down, come in a little more under control, take their time. Now it's just such a, it's a it's such a free for all to win at the highest level that you really have. It's just like any any modern sport you have to be at a very high level of training to to do it so it's not it's not something that comes overnight you're not going to see people pick it up even great world-class country cross-country skiers that woman is for, for for example the woman the swedish woman that jesse diggins beats in that sprint in 2018 she has since sw- switched to biathlon she was the best sprinter in the world at that time she won the olympic individual gold medal at 2018 Olympics in the cross country ski sprint. She switched to biathlon and she still hasn't, hasn't been on the podium in a biathlon world cup five years later. So it's not an easy switch. You can take the best cross country ski in the world and and give them a rifle and it doesn't guarantee anything. So it it definitely is a unique skill.
1: But it does guarantee if you're cross country skiing and a bear is chasing you, you're able (laughs) to use that gun, right?
5: That helps. Is that, 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 I, I would say it would help a lot. I think the problem is you need to stop, and and take a really good aim because it's a twenty two <laughs> rifle. It's not going to do much to the bear unless you hit it right between the eyeballs. It could probably do that if you're stopped and have a few seconds. But if you've got two seconds, you're going to be eaten by the bear.
1: Well, Chad Salmella taking some time and a good sport tonight. And, Chad, you've got the Threshold podcast, so tell us a little bit about that.
5: Yeah, so what it is is I, I have a podcast. It's it's uh, Threshold with Chad Salmella. You can find it on any of the platforms that, that hold podcasts. And and it was a it was an effort when things got a little bit a little bit uh, quiet two years ago during the pandemic when NBC kind of cut back on some of their their broadcasting I didn't have much to do one of my former college skiers who is in kind of independent filmmaking said you know you should do a podcast and I was like nah I don't really I don't know that I'd be a good podcaster and he was convinced so so we started it and it's three years three years in now and we have a pretty good following I mean it's not you know cross country skiing and Nordic and endurance sports it's mostly about endurance sports, but you know I, I cover everything from from ultra running to to triathlon. But really, it, it's grounded in Nordic skiing because that's my that's my, my that's my bread and butter. But we talk running, we talk about, and what we try to do is we try to bring human interest stories and do features on people who are big, and and making a difference in the sport, particularly coaching and training philosophy. I think that in America we've always we've struggled comparatively to some of the European sports because we don't really. Hold it in a high regard in our popular culture. How to train for these sports and it's really intricate stuff. It's not easy. People can get sick. You can get overtrained. You can get you know you get fibromyalgia from overtraining. There's a lot of things, a lot of missteps that can happen. But um, threshold is really kind of an a, a catch-all uh, as a podcast for for the population of the people who love the sports that I love, and and a resource for them to maybe rub shoulders with some of the best coaches in the world. You know I have, I have had some of the best and most. Uh, most up to date and kind of modern coaching methods uh, for for training, and and I think that that in that re- in that respect, that's what people like about it. I think that there's a human element to it, so it's not just technical stuff. But we bring in some of that technical stuff as well. So people who might be trying to ski at the Burgo Miner as fast as they ever have, or run the Boston Marathon as fast as they can, can get some training insights from people who who really live, uh, eat, and breathe and are professional at this.
1: Chad, will you be in Stanford in a booth, or have they told you where you might be? Given the popularity now, or uh, have they even given, given any idea?
5: Uh, no idea yet. Um, they, 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 you know, I was doing. A, Steve and I were both. Steve's still getting work because he does Alpine, but um, I've I, I, NBC has. Um, they had they had the Olympic Channel that they folded last year, which is part of kind of part of that whole NBC, NBC Sports Network fold. So I don't have a lot of um, steady television work anymore between the two, between the Olympic Games. I would assume that as long as I'm still alive and kicking and I don't piss anybody off at NBC, that I that I should be able to uh, garner that position again for my what would be my I believe my sixth Olympics for NBC. Um, I would I would assume though that to answer your question that that I wouldn't be on site anymore. I, I think that's the direction that most of these, uh, most of the Olympic broadcasters are going, not even just in the United States is that it's so easy to do from remote location um, that I'll probably be there. And then you add to the fact that I'm doing biathlon cross country and often Nordic combined three sports again, 25 shows. And if those venues are not close to each other, I uh, you have a problem, and in Italy, the biathlon venue is about an hour and a half drive and about 50 minutes by helicopter from the biathlon and cross-country venue. So I'm going. I'm guessing I'll, if I if I get the job, I'll be in Stanford.
1: All right. Well, you can come, stop by, and have lunch with me. I'm up here in Connecticut. Absolutely. Too many Minnesotans in this show tonight. <laughs> but uh, thank you, for Will and Troy. Closing thoughts.
2: Yeah, Chad, appreciate you taking on time out of your busy day. I know you're busy with recruiting and college stuff and your yeah. team. So I appreciate you
5: coming on tonight. Thanks, guys.
0: I learned a lot about cross country's game more in the last half hour than I did in the last 35 years I've been living. So that's I guess great. You that' going for me too. Right. You awesome.
1: drive up there and get out there on the training course with him. We we want you to see that, Will. So anytime,
5: anytime okay. you want to do it, I'll take you skiing.
1: Okay, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Appreciate our guests tonight for Will, for Troy, for Chad, for Steve and Dom. It's been a great show. Continue to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Roku. We're on your home TV. We're on Spotify, Apple. We're everywhere. Thanks to you guys, we've had over a million views in the last couple of months. So take care and continue to be a big fan of the Geary, Stein, and Steven show.
0: Thank you for, for tuning, tuning in to the, to the Gary. Gary, Stan, and Stephen Show. Follow us on social media. Watch us on yourhometv.com or now. We're on Roku. Download it and watch us. And thanks for tuning in. Until next time, America.